from Nashville, Tennessee. Welcome to Spotlighting the Indie Author, Episode 29. I'm Kelly Winkler, announcer for today's show. Today's podcast will be an author chat with Tanya Bernard, a young and gifted poet. Along with the chat, Tanya will be helping us celebrate Poetry Month by reading several of her poems. She has also agreed to be a part of Spotlighting the Indie Author's popular feature, 10 Off-the-Wall Questions. Now to Joseph and Nina. Hi, everyone. I'm Joseph Clark, host of today's show. Glad you tuned in to the podcast that shines a light on the indie author with book reviews and interviews with a dab of writing wisdom tossed in. Today, we have another great show for all of us who like poetry and find it both relaxing and exciting to listen to, especially when it's being read by the author that wrote the piece. Hi, gang. Nina Turnipsey here. Joseph is right. Our guest today, Tanya Bernard, will be reading seven of her poems. Before Tanya sits down with Joseph for the 10 off-the-wall questions, here she is with her first reading. The Garden of Peace. The warmth of the moment cradles my heart. Sweet aromas caress my nostrils and tilt the corners of my lips up in the direction of where my hope lies. Birds sing songs of joy for my ears to capture and my eyes are focused solely on the moment, the past behind, the future ahead, but none steal away right now. I am in the garden of peace. Reverent waters dance in the glory of the sun's light. The air, once moving in a swift attempt to carry away nature, sits still and is quiet, obediently falling in line with its surroundings Expectation is being born, without a cry and without pain, absent from the worry of a glint into the future. I am in the Garden of Peace. Pillows of clouds offer refreshment from the weight of the past. They wash out the memory and shadow the anticipated, all for one purpose and only one alone, to make right now a moment in that moment, home. I am in the garden of peace. Not needing a rescue or a place to hide. Unafraid of what's out there. Protected on all sides. Tanya, before I turn it over to Joseph, I would like to comment on the poem you just read. To me, the theme of the garden of peace is to show how important it is to focus on the now. The line that stood out to me, and my eyes are focused solely on the moment, the past behind, the future ahead. I believe we all need to learn this valuable lesson. I also believe that we all need our alone time to find our garden of peace, whether it be through yoga, meditation, or simply staring at the stars. You elegantly put the cliche, you can't change the past or predict the future, so focus on the present to shame. After hearing your poem, that statement now seems, well, lackluster. <laughs> well, definitely, I appreciate that. I actually wrote that poem sitting on my back porch. It was right after I was first laid off. I've never experienced a layoff 
in my entire life and I'm in my almost mid 40s. So it was a very hard time for me. And our back porch is where we go to really release, you know, stress. It has like a lake, it has a fountain and it has like ducks and all of this wildlife we get to watch, you know, in nature. And so I really took from everything I saw, absorbed it in and wrote about it because in that moment I felt at peace. I wasn't feeling the stress of, oh my gosh, you know, how are we gonna make bills? Who am I now, you know, that I don't have a job? You know, cause sometimes even with knowing you are not what your title is, you get wrapped up in it. And now that I was not that title anymore, I had to really focus on who I was outside of that title. So that was my garden of peace. Um, that moment right there, it just refocused me in life and to know that I was more than who I got hired on to be. <laughs> Thank you, Tanya, for the insight of how the garden of peace came about. Mm-hmm. Take it away, Joseph. Today, it is my pleasure to introduce to you another great poet, Tanya Bernard. Thank you, Tanya, for agreeing to be on the show with us today and reading your poetry. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. But before we go any further in this journey, here are your 10 off-the-wall questions. Are you ready? (laughs) I think I'm ready. Okay. Here we go. If you could sing a duet with anyone, who would it be? If I could sing a duet with anyone, I think it would be Stevie Wonder. You know, um, I love the timbre in his voice. My mother, <laughs> I grew up listening to him. She, she used to say, oh, you know, one day that's going to be my husband. And I think, <laughs> right. But <laughs> <laughs> his voice was, is so beautiful i think he pours his words into my heart and so i would just love to speak with him i mean sing with him because you know i think i can carry it too not as well as he can but he wouldn't i get our voices blended together i think could help to carry a tune into other people's hearts which is what my goal is i want anything that i do in artistry or in life to just pour out to people's hearts so I guess we would make a good duet. <laughs> okay. And that's a good choice. I'm just glad you didn't say me because you said you could carry a tune. I can't. So. <laughs> so we got that one out of the way. If you had to pick a if you had to pick a new name for yourself, what would you pick? You know, I don't know why I like the name Simone. Maybe because I really feel like Nina Simone was prolific, a good artist, a good poet. I don't know. It just, I really like that name. It it captivates me. So Simone would be it. When you think of a success, what comes to mind and why? Um, my first thought is always love. A lot of people would say money equals success, but I, I don't feel like that. I feel like love, if you obtain it and you have it, I think that's the biggest thing that you could call successful. My favorite scripture in the Bible is, Corinthians 13 and I feel like God has poured an extra measure 
of love into my heart to share with other people. And when I do share it, I feel at my best. And when I receive it, I also feel at my best. So my my height of success would be to have the love of my family and friends and also to leave a legacy of love behind me when I leave this world. Okay, excellent. What's the funniest place you've ever fallen asleep? Okay, (laughs) don't laugh. (laughs) I've fallen asleep (laughs) in the bathroom, and I don't want to be crass, but it's just I was sitting there, I was worn out, tired, you know, the little natural seat you have in the, the bathroom. You sit down, and you just black out. That's the toilet. Is it? Is it okay to say that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's okay to say toilet. Okay. Yeah. That is funny, because that's actually happened to me. And when I woke up, my legs were numb. And then the first thing that went through my head, Elvis died on the toilet. I got to get up and get out of here. Well, thank you for your honest answer there. Would you rather have creamy or chunky peanut butter? Depends on the day. I mean, I used to eat chunky peanut butter growing up. I just like the, I like crunchy. You know, I always eat crunchy food. It's, you know, it's that blend for me. It just doesn't. But creamy, I like creamy because you can melt that over your ice cream and it just creates a whole new experience. I love food. I might not look like it, but I love food. So creamy is always, it's my my grown-up flavor, I guess, for now. Chunky as a kid, creamy as an adult. There you go. All right. Have you ever stuck your tongue to a battery? No, I'm too scared to do that. Mm, Okay. (laughs) You have not lived until you stick your tongue to a 9-volt battery. I'm just telling you that right now. So, Okay. Can you live after that? Yeah. yeah. Well, let me rephrase that. I have heard it will mess up pacemakers. But if you don't have a pacemaker, go for it. Okay. Next time I talk to you, let me know how that went. All right? (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Do you have any? Hold up a second, Tanya. Kelly's pointing at her mic. That's my cue that she wants to interject or correct something. Okay, Kelly. What you got? Or should I ask, what did I say or do this time? (laughs) Once you hear the disclaimer, it will come to you. JosephEClay.com is affiliates and its divisions, including Spotlighting the Indie Author does not condone, encourage, recommend, or suggest sticking your tongue to any type of battery. Batteries contain stored electricity and acid, both which can cause health problems or death if misused. Back to you, Joseph. (laughs) Thank you, Kelly, and I swear. Never mind. Sorry about that, Tanya. Hey, a show is not interesting without a few disclaimers. (laughs) True. True. Back to the questions. Do you have any superstitions? I'd like to say I don't. I really don't believe in them. But my grandmother was very old-fashioned, very superstitious. She did not allow us to, she called them cut the poles because my grandmother was very country. And, you know, I got a little country girl in me, too. We couldn't cut poles. We couldn't cut cars. We couldn't even cut people. And by cut, I mean two people walking together, crossing on the opposite ends of a pole, a car, or any still object was considered bad luck for my grandmother. So I do notice that sometimes I, <laughs> if I'm walking with someone, I try to avoid cutting poles, cutting cars. It sounds ridiculous, but it's true. And also I do bite my finger if ever I were to accidentally point toward a graveyard because <laughs> that means someone in your life is going to die or something bad is going to happen so like i said i don't believe in them 
but I do kind of practice them on occasion. Right. Well, uh, I've talked to a lot of people, and I don't think that we necessarily, because I practice some myself, I don't mm-hmm. think we really necessarily believe in them, but it was the way we were raised. Yeah. Would you rather put ketchup or ranch dressing on everything you eat? Ketchup all day. Oh, my gosh. Ketchup is what I use. I use my fries to eat my ketchup. It's delicious. <laughs> <laughs> I like the way you put that. All yeah. Right. If you had someone following you around all the time, what would you have them do? Um, My chores. Like, you know, give me a helping hand. I want some help putting away the laundry. I don't mind washing. I don't mind drying, but I hate putting the laundry away. Um, let's see, running errands. I don't like to run. Maybe go to the grocery store because I think I'm there every day. Mm, do the dishes. Definitely. I don't like dirty, a dirty kitchen, but I hate cleaning dishes. So mm-hmm. they, they probably get stuck doing that all day. Okay. <laughs> okay. If you could talk to one species of animal, what would it be? I would talk to my dog. I mean, like dogs are so loyal. I think they demonstrate what people should be to other people like when they find their master i've always been told dogs have one master you know and with that master they listen to everything that they say my dog's name is prince and you know he gets on my nerves because he follows me everywhere i go but that's part of his nature as a papillon you know they get attention all they want is more and it seems like he can sense when i'm upset and that's when he'll sit under my feet and I am upset or if I'm sick, I want someone to talk to. And sometimes I'm, I'm home alone. You know, my husband travels. Um, well, he used to travel a lot for his job. <clears throat> and I would want to talk to Prince, you know, while he's sitting there. He's looking at me with his long face because he can sense my emotion. And I want him to respond to me. Or if Prince is kind of feeling down, I notice that he goes to bed early. I want to find out what's going on in his head. Like, what is he thinking? Does he think we're you know, lazy or does he think we're not giving him enough attention? Is he thinking that he wants to go out for a walk or is his stomach hurting? I want to know because yeah, (laughs) he's one of my best friends. (laughs) That is great. Yeah. Thank you, Tanya, for participating in the 10 off the wall questions. Yeah. You and I will be right back for a more serious conversation after Kelly tells our faithful listeners a tad about you. Tanya D. Bernard is a published author, poet, blogger, wife, mother, and child of God. She was born in Fort Worth, Texas, raised in Houston, Texas, and lives in Richmond, Texas. She earned her degree in communications from Paul Quinn College and was a member of Zeta Phi Beta Sorority, Incorporated. She was inspired to write by Maya Angelou and fell in love with her works after reading I Know Why the Caged Bird Sings. Her hobbies include writing, journaling, singing, shopping, eating, and hunting down a good book in bookstores. Period pieces, dramas, crime, and romance stories are her favorite genre. She is currently working on republishing her first book under a new title. Here is Tanya with another poetry reading. With sinking, I have to give a little disclaimer for this one. It starts with a song my mother and I used to sing when I was four years old, and it still plays in my head. And it also ends with that same song. So I wrote this poem just two nights ago, actually. I was cleaning my house 
and I have my father's ashes here with me inside of a, a drawer. And I bumped that drawer and it almost fell over. And the ashes, I haven't been able to look at the container in which they're held since he passed away. But the door came open and I just saw my dad inside of that container and I was, I started thinking and I was feeling, I was really feeling the words in this poem, thinking. When all around me is sinking sand on Christ. The solid rock I stand. I look to my left and I'm stumbling. I look to my right and I've been knocked back. Look down and I'm falling. When I finally look up, I see how far it is I've yet to go. The cycles of a hard life, up and down like a roller coaster, feeling unworthy to even feel. What is there to grieve over when I'm still eating, still healthy, still clothed, still fed, still cared for, still living? I battle it out every day with my own self. Today, it is my worst enemy. Last night, I cried like a newborn baby. For what? I cannot yet lay my finger on not even to point at one particular reason. There are many. I don't often envision death, understanding when hard times come, when we are sinking through life, death is an escape, is always a fleeting thought. But last night, as I stared out of my window into the glow of the moon, bouncing from waters, illuminating fountains, that vision of loveliness said to be taken in. Its beauty absorbed was not what I could see. No, I saw a gun fully loaded, ready, pointed right at me. With the forefinger of my right hand gripping the trigger, it willfully pulled. The rush of escape flooded all around me, fleeing in my last breath the tingle of freedom, the moment of rescue from this, this thing called life for a fraction of a minute. I was okay with that. A moment longer than fleeting rested well with me. But then a rush of pressure clamped down in my head, the tears running freely down my cheeks alerted the sinuses within me. They stood up and rebelled, tightened the ropes of revolt against my nostrils, taking charge and stealing away my air. The pulse of my heart pounded, an aching reminder flowing through my system and into my eye, reaching its destination at the center of my thought. The throbbing wage of war took full effect, convulsing through my limbs, taking over my body, the song of battle stole my attention and I woke from my stupor of nothingness. Suddenly, reminded of my desire to catch hold of my breath, I hurt. But if death felt like this, I wanted no parts of it. No, I wanted to live. So that's what I did. When I need a shelter, when I need a friend, 
I go to the rock. You can find more poems by Tonya D. Bernard on her blog, Passion Point. That link, along with one for her Instagram account, can be found in the show notes. Now to the author chat. As I stated in the previous show, I can't write poetry, but I do appreciate it and enjoy listening to it being read, especially by the one who penned it. Some of the critics of poetry tend to think it's for the meek and the weak and is always mushy. Sinking. The title of the poem Tiny just read should put all those myths to bed. Plus, I'll remind you that my favorite all-time author was a poet, along with many other things. This writer pens such greats as Annabelle Lee, The Devil in the Belfry, The Pit in the Pendulum, along with my favorite, The Raven, a narrative poem. I'm speaking of none other than Edgar Allan Poe, American short story writer, poet, critic, and editor. Oh yeah, he's deep. I really like him too. Yes, Mr. Poe was deep and a master of symbolism. With the symbolism in sinking, I think it is similar to some of Poe's works. I compare poetry to art. The poet or artist knows what was behind the poem or painting. However, the person admiring the art may see something different and the poem may trigger an emotion in the reader that the poet wasn't feeling while writing the piece. I have been told by both artists and poets that this doesn't bother them. It's just the opposite. They're just pleased that their work touched that person even if not in the way it was meant to be. Does this hold true with you? Yes. You know, it's relevant to whoever interprets it in their own way. I just, that's what I write for. You know, you can take from it what you will or, you know, what you can. Right. And how it speaks into your own life. I see and concur. Now, could you recite another poem for us? Poetic love. I want a poetic love. Yeah, that's what I want. The kind that makes you toss and turn at night then snuggle into security, that once-in-a-lifetime opportunity to connect with someone on a level so deeply I'm set free. More free than an innocent man, locked up and wrongly accused. But the injustice system turns on itself, behaving justly and setting that innocent man loose. Oh, what a feeling, oh so sweet. I want that feeling for me. A love that never fails like Corinthians 13 and covers a multitude of my flaws as if they'd never been seen, wrapping its arms around my weaknesses to give them strength. Succulently seasoned like heaven on earth, a demonstration of how Christ gave away his selfish desires for his bride, the church. A poetic love, cascading time, loyally refusing to leave my side. Absolutely beautiful, Tanya. Thank you. To me, the most powerful line in poetic love is found in the first stanza and sets the tone for the remainder of the poem. To connect with someone on a level so deeply, I'm set free. This piece was complex as it touched on injustice and how you wanted the same feeling a man who had suffered this injustice felt when that burden was lifted. And the way you included a Bible chapter in the third stanza was pure genius. Tell me, how long have you been writing poetry? I have been writing poetry over 20 years. I think I started when I was in junior high and high school. 
I just was writing, you know, things that I felt um, as I saw, you know, everyday life going on. And I definitely can tell you I am not the same writer I was then that I am now. It has grown in me so prolifically over the years um, that when I go back and read some of the poems that I wrote before, it's like a whole different person wrote them. And that can be good and bad depending on the day. (laughs) That's great. It shows growth and that is what as writers we strive for. Tilly McGill, the poet we talked to last week, brought growth up. To help us celebrate National Poetry Month, you will be reading several pieces for us today. All the poems in today's show can be found on your blog. Tell us about the blog and what one can expect to find on it. Okay, well, my blog definitely deals with relationships, something that you'll see throughout some of my stories and even my poems. It's just the raw emotion experienced by everyday people. I like to write about that stuff. It's relatable. And like I said before, people just need to know that they're not the only ones that are struggling or even winning. You don't want to be on top by yourself because there's, it's no fun being on top alone. So I just like to deal with that, touch on it and kind of write stories or poems that expose it. It doesn't necessarily have to deal with my personal life, but it could be things that I've experienced through talking with my friends, um, like even a moment on television, you know, seeing raw emotion. And I used to call it reality TV when it first came out because it was more real. Now it's more like a fakeality because it's scripted. But just seeing something there, you know, it would just, it grows a poem inside of me and I have to, I have to get it out. That's excellent. We'll place a link to your blog, which is called Passion's Point. Is that correct? Correct. Mm-hmm. Okay. So we'll place a link to Passion's Point in the show notes so everyone can find it and enjoy your writing. I know it's on your blog, but if you don't mind, tell us how you came about the name of Passion. Yeah, sure. So actually, that name came up when I was pledging my sorority. You know, in college, you have these things called Big Sisters you know, in your sorority that kind of bring you over into what they say the burning sands of your social organization. And they named us, we were called the line of the four pleasure principles, and they named us based on our personalities. Now, they called me passion because they felt like I was very passionate about people. And I was also like a mother. So if anything were to happen to my line sisters, that's what they call the the ladies who are pledging the sorority with you. I would be upset about it, you know, as if I were their own mother. I would cry if they cried and I would laugh if they laughed. And, you know, I would feel excited when they won, you know. So that's why they call me Passion. And I I just went with that name and stuck with it. And they also um, had it was kind of like what they called a funny second line name for me, which I think kind of deals with passion as well. (laughs) My line sisters call me Weeping Willow. And they still do now, only because back then, and I like to say back then and not now, even though it might not necessarily be true, I cried at the drop of a hat. They were like, oh my gosh, Weeping Willow is at it again. But like I said, it was only because I connect to the heart of people. If I see someone's hurting, it makes me hurt even more. And I don't say that to be selfish. I say it because I want to absorb people's hurt so they don't have to feel it. So I think that's where they got the name from. Thank you for sharing that. 
I just wished I could remember my college days. <laughs> it's been a long time ago. Well, maybe you just had so much fun. You can't draw in one particular memory. That's got to be it. <laughs> I'm going with that anyway. There you go. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Tell us about the next poem you'll be reading for us. Okay. So this poem is called Pride and Insignificance. It kind of deals with, like I said, what I write, I like to write about, which is relationships. But it also deals with what can be considered an abusive relationship because abuse comes in many forms. Growing up, I did have to experience watching my own mother suffer through her relationships. And it touched me because, you know, people always say they want what's best for their children. Children want what's best for their parents, too. You don't like to see them suffer. But I did write a poem in regards to what I had to watch her go through in hers. And it's called Pride and insignificance. I can't wait to hear this, so go ahead and read it for us, please. Alrighty. Pride and insignificance. You came in drunk last night, and I let you down talk me. Like a fool, I took it. But like a saint, I held my tongue, keeping inside those things I may regret. I'm weighted down by the anvils of misery you impose. I want to run, but the strength of my devotion keeps me anchored to you. Why? I dredged through the sludge of sorrow you seem to promise, trying to save you, but hoping you'll turn around and save me too. The pain inflicted by your words seeps down into my every pore. I can feel them bleeding, tears of agony, every time you remind me how you view my presence so insignificantly pride is a powerful tool and it's taken over your mind but i'm bound to the man you used to be hoping he'll show up at any time i guess this is the anchor which keeps me by your side one day though this well of tears will wash up then go dry and everything i hold back will come out from the places they hide that was a very powerful poem. I have always been told that poetry comes from the heart or a life experience, both good and bad. What do you think? I totally agree. You know, definitely I pull from experience I see going on around me in life, my own life experiences as well. But I believe people are interconnected by the emotions that they feel throughout their experience. So I, that's why I feel like even though I might be writing from something I've watched on TV or something that my friends or family have expressed to me, we're connected because we share the same emotion depending on the circumstance in life that we go through. Now, I have noticed that poetry deals a lot with emotion, more mm -hmm. so than a novelist does. You know, we deal with senses. We want to try to bring you in we want to make you see the scene feel like you're a part of the story but poetry more deals with feelings such as hate anger love betrayal and stuff like that so i think that's what sets a poet and a novelist apart is the difference in the way they try to connect to the reader uh do mm -hmm. you agree i do i mean i definitely agree feelings are written all through the words and it's kind of like what you would say a writer or novelist does in shorthand, you know, they're bringing you up to the climax of those feelings much more quickly than a writer or a novelist would that is maybe writing, you know, a whole book on 
their experiences and they're painting the picture through words of how they felt dealing with those different experiences. I mean, a poet is doing the same thing. It's just that you have to reach that climax of emotion more quickly. So it just seems like it's jumping out at you, you know, left and right. So That was a great explanation, Tanya. Tell us, do you have any idea how many poems you have written over the years? And do you remember your first one? Shoot, I have no clue. I mean, I didn't publish every poem I wrote. Some of them are just for my journal's sake, you know, because I really had to get out what I was feeling and I left them in there because I didn't want anybody that far into the crevices of my mind. But I have no clue how many I've written, probably thousands over the last 20 plus years. And my first poem is, gosh, it's, it's packed away <laughs> in one of those <laughs> journals. So I have no idea what that first poem is. I'm not like a Maya Angelou to go and memorize her poems and just quote them out without even having to glance down to read out where she was. I'm not like that type of poet. I write it. It comes from my heart. Sometimes I feel like I get in the zone so much that I don't even know what I'm writing. When I go back, I read it and I'm like, who wrote this? You know, I may not be able to memorize it, but I can definitely speak to it as if, you know, I wrote it. So I don't remember. That's fine and totally understandable. Before you read the next poem, tell us a little about it. Okay. So this poem, it speaks to um, the life cycle. You know, we go through life and we go through seasons of change where we're up one moment, you know, everything's going our way. And then um, we're down, you know, where we just seem to be getting a good old fashioned whooping, <laughs> a life whooping. <laughs> And I'm kind of country, so I say whooping. I don't say spanking or anything like that. It's called Changing Seasons, and I did write it. Um, this was about me. You know, I think it was during a period where I was experiencing those up and down roller coaster feelings, and I had to write it down. Changing Seasons. The seasons, they change. They keep passing by and by. Burdens unreleased never lift nor did they become light. A weight so heavy, hardly a breath to breathe. A lightless tunnel, too deep to even see. What of these great burdens I'm determined to bear? Pride will not listen and stubborn won't share. The seasons, they change just like one, two, and three. But the shadows of pity refuse to set me free. Oceans of waves drown me with fear tried turning away but the fear it's still here oh please god please help me i'm spiraling down my heart cries out broken my world spins around the seasons they change for all who can see i just wait for the day those seasons change me another masterful poem oh well thank you <laughs> let's switch from poems on your blogs to published works in form of books Tell mm -hmm. us about Paper Walls. What is the book about? Is it a novel <laughs> or a book of poetry or a combination of both? So Paper Walls is a novel and a book of poetry. You'll more see the storyline of, you know, my childhood blended in with some of the poems that I feel kind of touch on that raw emotion of what I was feeling. The character's name is Simone, and she does feel a sense of abandonment throughout her life. And with that feeling of abandonment, she makes 
what people would call poor choices, but what studies would show is her being somewhat of a statistic to her her circumstances. When I first started writing that, I, I think I was like 19. I was in college. I remember I went into the computer lab because I didn't have my own personal computer. It was a long time ago before everybody had a personal computer in their homes. And I was still dealing with intense unforgiveness that I had towards my own father. And I had to get that out. And I felt like writing a book about it was going to help me in the process of forgiving him. I definitely was blessed and I have written a blog kind of connecting that book to my forgiveness of him because he recently passed away in 2019. But I was grateful because as I wrote the book, I forgave him, but also we stayed consistently in each other's lives for a whole half of my life. 21 years. I was 42 when he died um, and I was 21 when he entered my life on a more permanent basis. So that book kind of catalogs his and my beginning of the relationship that we had consistently where I was still angry with him and then it goes through where I marry my husband and how I feel like at that time I was coming out on top with the book by the book's end but really I had not yet fully grasped what people would call the top. I had to grow to a point of maturity in order to do that. But when, once I finished writing that book, I had not yet reached that point, if you could understand what I mean. Mm -hmm. I was very young, like I said, but what the book did accomplish was help me to open up my heart and to open up the doors of a relationship between me and my father, um, which is what I'm really, really grateful for, especially since now he's gone. I did feel like at a point in time that my father was like one of my best friends, you know, and I never would have been able to do that without having first written that book and then forgiven him to allow for that. Right. So the book was the beginning of the healing process between you and your father. Exactly. Okay. Yes. If you don't mind telling the listeners, what is the title of the blog that you wrote about your father? Well, there are many. Um, so the latest one that I wrote was called 21 Years. And that's like a tribute to him. And then I have another one. It's a part of my Corona Chronicles series. Because <laughs> when we were all stuck inside, I was writing about like things that were going on in the world around us and also things that were going on inside my head. The subtitle, gosh, I can't even really think of it right now, but it was about my father. And there's a picture of he and I on there. And then I, um, I had another one called My Daddy's Daughter that was also on my blog and written about him. And all these are on the Passions Point blog, right? Yes. Mm -hmm. Okay. Listeners, I recommend you head on over to the blog, Passion Point. The link will be in the show notes. And find those three particular blogs and read them. I got a feeling they're going to be very touching. I understand that this time the book is out of production. Is there plans to re-release it in the future? I do have plans to re-release that book. I have been kind of in a writing hiatus as far as promoting the book but i'm excited that i do plan to re-release it maybe change up a few things on my own maybe have a forward written in but i'm excited to be getting back into the book part of my publications okay that's great hey let us know when you re-release it and we'll either put it in the news segment or even better have you back on the show yes <laughs> okay 
Do you have any plans to put together maybe a collection of all your poems in book form? Um, maybe one day. I feel like sometimes I tried the book of poems before. It just doesn't cement with me. I feel like there needs to be stories written in. So I was thinking of maybe blending poems with short stories and having it flow that way. Okay. All right. Great idea. Before we wrap up this author chat, please read another piece for us. Of course. This one's entitled Reflections. Kind of deals like with what I said, um, growing from a little girl and maturing into a woman and becoming more confident in who I was made to be. So that's what this poem kind of deals with. Reflections. One day, I saw a little girl whose life was incomplete. She searched to find the one who could make her broken ends meet. The knowledge of who she truly was had yet to be revealed. So she searched to see if one man could break the pattern of its seal. She looked and looked, but could not find one suited to meet her needs. The emptiness she felt inside continued to feed her grief. This girl, she grew and grew and grew into what some would call full grown. But this little girl, she never could find a confidence all her own. She thought she found the only man to make her heart complete. Her world, it seemed surrounded in a security oh so sweet. And then one day that man she found turned her world into a mess she thought she'd never recover from the failure of love's test. She looked into the mirror and didn't like the reflection she'd seen, crying out to God to help her. On his shoulder, she heavily leaned. Then finally she gave up, throwing her hands into the air. She stopped solving her own problems and placed them in the master's care. He showed her who she truly was, and was really meant to be. Not some man's ever-changing idea of what they call a fantasy. She opened up her eyes just then and began to truly feel awake. He pieced together all the brokenness and began to heal the ache. The mirror of reflection showed God's loving and tender hand. He built in her a confidence which she could trust and firmly stand. Thank you, Tanya. Listeners, don't fret. There's one more powerful poem of love to come. Tanya will be reciting it at the end of the show. Tanya, I appreciate you coming on the show and helping us celebrate National Poetry Month. It was a pleasure learning about you and listening to your poetry. All of us at Spotlighting the Indie Author wish you the best in life and in your writing career. Thank you. I really appreciate this opportunity that you've given me. It's definitely helped me. I guess it kind of reinvigorated me in my writing because I had gotten out of it for a time. I feel like every writer goes through that time where they kind of lose hope. You work time and again to get yourself noticed or to get the word out to people that you're trying to reach and you're feeling unheard. So I appreciate being heard today. It was our pleasure, Tanya. It was our pleasure. That's a wrap, gang, on our third show celebrating Portrait Month. I appreciated Tanya being so open to the 10 off-the-wall questions and when sharing the motives behind the poems. They were just as emotional as the poetry at times. Nina, out of the seven pieces Tanya read, which was your favorite? 
Man, that's going to be hard. I truly enjoyed all of them. Let's see. I think I know which one I'll select. But I would like to hear Tanya read the last one before I make my final decision. It has been said, so it shall be done. Without further ado, here is Tanya Bernard with our final poetry reading. The Bonds of Us. Me and you. Us two. We are a passionate duo. Embracing our love and losing control. All our senses getting counted as lost. Pushing past those lines we dare to cross. Blind to what is plainly seen. We tempt the heat and play in its steam. A never-ending connection wrapped in circular degrees that leads me back to you and you back to me. Bent and shifted, never broken, nor pulled from the other's grasp, a forceful shake of our foundation shows it's built to last and last. Together we stand, united we grow, despite toils and tribulations. Forever is all we know. There you go, Nina. Can you give us your answer of which is your favorite now? That was a great poem. It needs to be in a Valentine card. It also made my choice of a favorite even harder. Look, I know what your favorite is. You give it away with the Poe reference. But for those who don't know you as well as I do, go ahead and tell them. I'll reveal my favorite after that. Nice stall tactic, Nina. But I shall play along and do as you requested. My favorite poem read on today's show by Tanya Bernard was Sinking. <laughs> yep, I was right. Now for my favorite poem written and read by Tanya Bernard, The Bond of Us. Thank you, Nina, and you were right. It was hard to pick a favorite as they all were fantastic pieces. That would do it for Poetry Month 2021. I have had a blast during these shows, which is another reason that April is the best month of the year. <laughs> Let me guess. The main reason April is your favorite and the best month of the year is because it's your birthday month. Hang on now. You got to admit, Poetry Month has been fun. That it has been. But you were also born in April. Yep, that I was. On the 28th, to be exact. But we have also learned that Tilly McGill was also born in April, along with some of my best friends. Barry, who is one of my oldest friends, not in age. We met way back in the early 80s, along with Leslie, a great photographer. But what makes April the best month of the year? It is the month that my middle daughter, Hillary, is born in. So there you go. That makes April one of the best months of the year. Now, if you would, you and Kelly wrap this up. I'm out of here. Got to head to my favorite store and start my birthday wish list. Kelly, I need to hit the road also. We're doing a ton of remodeling, so I bet Joseph is headed to Home Depot. He can stay in there for days. The problem is, he will not make a list. He will buy his own birthday presents, so I need to try and get there before he does. Please tell our wonderful listeners all about our next show. Till next time, a big thank you to everyone listening. Hugs, uh-uh-uh-uh-uh, and kisses. Nina. Sure thing, Nina. Spotlighting the Indie Authors' next show will air on May 1st. That show will be a book review of 
The Ramblings of John W. Wood by John W. Wood. The book is a collection of short stories and poems. That's all we have for you today on Spotlighting the Indie Author. Please join us again soon. We are already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks, everyone. The opinions and or beliefs shared by any guest are not necessarily the opinions and or the beliefs of josephyclay.com and its affiliates, which includes spotlighting the indie author and its hosts. Music used in today's podcast. Show intro and outro music. Country intro for podcast by Alex Viola Mann, courtesy of Audio Jungle. Show background music. Never Stop Dreaming by Crescent Music courtesy of Shutterstock Incorporated. Spotlighting the indie author's feature, 10 off the war questions. Intro, outro and background music, Lazy Frog Loop, by Zaga 2, courtesy of Free Sound. The show notes will contain the following. Links to the books reviewed on today's show, along with the author's or guest's website, and social media accounts, if applicable. Links to the websites mentioned in the podcast. Contact information for Spotlighting the Indie Author. The link to Spotlighting the Indie Author's podcast webpage. Links to the bias of today's hosts. Links to Spotlighting the Indie Author's blog. The blog will include the sound effect credits, the technical data on the recording of today's show, and more. Links to josepheclay.com's website and blog. Till we meet again on these very same airwaves, the crew of Spotlighting the Indie Author, thanks you for taking the time to listen. This was episode number 29, a 2021 production of Spotlighting the Indie Author, a josepheclay.com podcast. <laughs>